beautiful. You are listening to More Than a Crown, where you will learn, feel understood, and be encouraged alongside believer, child advocate, ice cream connoisseur, and former Miss USA, Sarah Rose Summers. Today's amazing guest is a believer, girl boss, and podcaster herself who strives to equip and empower women with practical tools to walk in their worth and navigate their lives grounded in freedom, vision, and wholeness through her podcast, various speaking events, digital courses, and more. Uh, Welcome and thank you so much for chatting with me today, Kat. How are you? I am doing well, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad we are finally getting to connect. And I'm just trying to live my best life here in New York. So I'm I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How about yourself? <laughs> That's awesome. Yes, we, um, we miss New York greatly, but we're safe, which is what's mm. most important in Nebraska. And my brother and my sister-in-law just had their first babe. So we became an aunt and an uncle for the first time. Oh so gosh. we're pretty grateful to be back here. You know, he's always yeah. got the greater plan. But it is what it is. Yeah. How yeah. how um has business been and work for you? I know you've kept pretty busy, but with your brand and everything, mm-hmm. how has this season affected it? Yeah. Honestly, I feel very privileged that I get to say this, but it's just, it's been a really good time. So I signed a book deal with HarperCollins in January and my manuscript was due May 15th. And it was really hard to get any headway on it because I'm also a full-time photographer. So I shoot a lot and I just, I, with the unexpected break of quarantine and I was able to go home to Dallas for two and a half months and be with my family and really have this break of normal life. I was able to finish my book and meet my deadline. And that was just the biggest blessing. So it honestly, it's been a slower season, but I've been so, so grateful for it. And, you know, I'm back in the city now and my photography work is <laughs> picked up and running. And it's it's just, I think it has just been the pause that I needed from New York that I never knew I needed. And I probably never would have taken. And also in a very weird way, and I want to be, you know, very careful and conscious when I say this, because this has been a very, very devastating time and it has impacted millions and millions of people. There's so many hard things going on. And in that, I feel as though God has kind of gave me this rest that I I needed and wouldn't have ever taken. So, and then I got to finish my book. So it's, it's been, it's been an interesting season. So many different feelings. I mean, ask me tomorrow and I might be like, this is the hardest season ever. Like, what am I doing with my life? What's next? Like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I think a big thing for me is just the whole invitation in this season for me has been to surrender and trust. And I think I didn't realize how controlling I was until like literally every day you're like, well, what does, what is tomorrow going to bring? And am I going to have a job? And am I going to keep my apartment? Do I need to give it up? Like, should I move? What's happening in the world? And the constant invitation for me in this season has been surrender and trust. (laughs) Mm, That is so good. And so mature that you can acknowledge the fact that 
this is the break that you probably wouldn't have taken otherwise. And I think that's the same for so many people and mm. how awesome. Also, that little book tidbit you slid in there casually. Ah. That, congratulations. Thank that's you. That's so exciting. Can Thanks. you give us any, any little secret tips, any previews? Oh, yeah, girl. So my book is called Sexless in the City. Hello. Um, and it's all it's honestly it's my story of kind of getting to this place in my life as a single Christian woman living in New York City, navigating the dating scene and kind of coming to terms with all of these rules and systems that I learned growing up in the church and the purity culture. And I had a you know, purity ring and all those things. And I got to this place where I felt like I don't really know why I believe this. And I don't really know what God's heart is on sexuality and sex and marriage. All I know is rules. And if what I know about God is true, then God really cares about my heart. And God is a relational God. And God cares way more about me knowing what his vision is as opposed to me blindly following a set of rules. So my book is me really unpacking that journey of I essentially ended up going on a journey that I would thought would take like a couple days, but I researched every single verse in the Bible that talked about sex and intimacy. And it ended up being this multi-year journey of me kind of stripping myself of these shame-induced narratives from the church that I don't necessarily totally believe that they were taught out of like ill intent. I just think that God's heart for us is so much bigger than a set of rules. So it's my heart of kind of coming to a place where out of my own volition, I actually really do believe in waiting until marriage to have sex. Even though it's the same decision I was making before, I now no longer, I felt like a victim to Christianity mm. as opposed to now. I'm like, I feel so grounded about this. I am very excited about this. And I know what I want. I know what I'm looking for. So here's where we are now. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. The relationship yeah. is so much greater than the rules. Yeah. Absolutely. And I feel like to non-believers as well, looking in, the rules can seem so harsh <laughs> and so judgmental and hypocritical sometimes. So I think that's fabulous that you took that time for yourself to kind of not only follow those rules blindly necessarily, but dig in and figure out why you're trusting and why you're believing in that. So I'm definitely excited to check out your book, but I have gotten a little tidbit just of your writing, just through your Mm. posts and through your blog. And you are such a gifted writer. So I have no doubt that your book's going to be amazing and definitely something that so many young women need to hear and need to have Mm. a conversation about. Like reading it on our own is one thing, but then I feel like your book is going to be one that needs to be the topic of book clubs because other women need to get conversations started and be comfortable actually communicating with one another about it because we don't. Absolutely. And I think one of my biggest things that my, what my heart is, is to really normalize a conversation around sex, desire, singleness, dating, relationships, as opposed to it being this taboo thing. It's like, I've, girl, from the time I was born, I came out of the womb, like being like, there's an elephant in the room. Like we need to talk about that (laughs) and ruffling people's feathers. But what I, what I realized is, you know, in Genesis one, God said that God made a humanity in his image and the Latin call that Imago Dei. So that means that by me existing as a human, I reflect 
the creator of the universe. And my sexuality is a part of that. I think culture says that sexuality are in desire. That's who we are. And then the church is like, shut it down until that like magical wedding day where you all of a sudden have this diamond ring on your finger and are supposed to be like a lady in the streets, but a freak in the bed. And <laughs> like, I'm just like, well, what is it to be made in the image of God and not be ashamed of talking about these things. Because if you read the Bible, God's not afraid to talk about sexual desire. God is not afraid to talk about intimacy. I mean, all you got to do is read Song of Solomon. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so my heart is really to normalize these topics that have felt very shame inducing. So I just, um, one of the big chapters in my book is on masturbation and is masturbation a sin. And I, I just did a couple podcast episodes on it and I was like, I'm just going to be like totally like people are totally going to like hate this. And it ended up, it has ended up being our most downloaded podcast episode ever because I think people are just like, I didn't know I was allowed to talk about this stuff. And I just think women especially were taught to be appropriate and, you know, like be, you know, quiet and in the background. And I'm just like, well, we need to be talking about these things. And mm -hmm. everyone, anytime I bring, whether it's like gender roles or masturbation or is premarital sex a thing or not anymore, women come out of the woodworks and are like, I have been wondering the same exact thing. I just didn't know I was allowed to say it out loud. Absolutely. That is so relevant and makes all the sense in the world to me. Like I'm not surprised by it at all. <laughs> mm -hmm. It is something that we need to talk about. And yeah. many listeners might already know because Connor and I have talked about it on prior episodes before, but we did wait until marriage. Connor was a virgin and is just this 25-year-old blessing that walked into my life. Um, and I have a bit of I, I was not a virgin. So we came to the table with completely different backgrounds. In fact, he'd never even had a girlfriend before. Um, so we've definitely embarked down the road of, okay, so what do you believe? What do I believe? What do we believe? And what are we going to walk in? So that makes sense to me that um, you've done that for yourself and that other women are also curious. But I recently read your blog on how to embrace your sexuality when you're not having sex was what mm. it was called. Yeah. So cool. I loved all the tips you listed. Where did your passion for this topic specifically stem from? And you said sexuality is more than sex. And I think that was yeah. one of the lines that was my favorite of all. Like yeah. we listen to all these songs about feeling good in your own skin and all these things mm -hmm. and self-care. So can you just mm -hmm. share where your passion from this came on and maybe a few of these tips for our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if you would have asked me five years ago, even two years ago, if this was going to be like my shtick, <laughs> I would have been like, you are out of your ever love of mind. I'm an editorial photographer. I do brand strategy through my blog, The Refined Woman. I do social media marketing. The last thing I do is talk about sex and sexuality and all of these things. But really what this stems from is my own journey. I did not grow up in a Christian home, but I did grow up in the South. I did grow up in Texas and I, which is kind of in my experience, the belt buckle of the Bible belt. And so Christianity is kind of the air that I breathed growing up. 
And so when I ended up becoming a Christian, things like, oh, waiting until marriage to have sex, that wasn't news to me. It was, it had always been all around me. And I think once I kind of got into Christian culture, I learned all of these things. Like I learned the word purity. And I think in that, I kind of uh, absorbed some really damaging narratives. For example, my sexuality is only for marriage. Um, It is up to the woman to not only uphold her sexual purity and her sexual integrity, but also the crushing weight of male purity, male sexuality was then also put on our shoulders. So not only were we supposed to be pure and modest and all of these things, we were also supposed to protect men because the other message underneath that was my body as a woman is dangerous and it is bad. And so I think I learned all of these narratives, not explicitly, but implicitly. And so I was terrified of my sexual desire. I was terrified of, quote unquote, causing a brother to stumble sexually into temptation or lust. So I shut down my sexual my sexuality. And I think a lot of women do that, especially in the church. And so, you know, part of how I did that was I hid behind really baggy clothes or I would just like anything feminine, like, I mean, I've, I'm already a tomboy, but I just became so terrified of causing guys to stumble that I would just, I was like the epic friend. And then I was like, why am I always stuck in the friend zone? Mm. And it was because I was showing up as like an asexual, (laughs) like blob with like frumpy clothes on. And I feel like a perfect picture of that was in college. I was a camp counselor and it was, a thousand degrees at this summer camp. It was so hot and humid. There was no AC on the whole property. And as girls, we had to wear these like dumpy basketball shorts and oversized cotton t-shirts because we didn't want to make guys struggle. And then the guys would come into lunch with like short basketball shorts on, no shirts, like glistening, dripping sweat. So and annoying. Like, Wait a second. Okay. So the message here is that like my body is dangerous and boys' bodies aren't. And also that women don't have sexual desire in the way that men have sexual desire. And that's just not true. And so this whole journey for me started when I kind of had this breakthrough year in New York City. I was new to the city. I had been going through therapy for years at that point and going to emotional intelligence workshops and retreats and kind of realizing, oh, like Genesis 1 said, God created man and woman in his image and his likeness, and he called us very good. I kind of had this awakening moment of like, my femininity is not a liability. It's my greatest asset because this is how God created me. And I also dated more in one year in New York City than I had in my whole life. I fell in love. I got heartbroken. I got ghosted. Like literally any and everything happened in this one year. And I realized, oh, when I'm not shut down to my sexual desire and when I'm actually dating and when I'm dating someone I am in love with and attracted to, guess what? It's really hard not to have sex. (laughs) Mm. And so I honestly, Sarah, got to this point in the midst of a breakup where I, I just felt like, you know what? I honestly can't tell you if the Bible actually says not to have sex before marriage. And I'm sick of feeling ashamed and 
so many of my Christian friends were living with their boyfriends and having casual sex. And I just felt like, I don't really know if I believe this anymore. And so kind of like what I already shared, I went on that journey of what is like, what does God really say about this stuff and realizing, oh my gosh, not only does God have such a vision for our relationships and for sex and desire, but like the physical is never about the physical, in my opinion, the physical is always a manifestation of the spiritual or an invitation to the spiritual. So when we make sexuality about sex, we are flattening what it means to be a human. And we're, we're also saying like the, it's basically like I have an itch and the only way it can be scratched is through penetrative sex. And that can only happen within the confines of marriage. And I just felt like, I just feel like God has a bigger vision for sexuality than this. And what I realized is there's a difference between a desire for sex and sexual desire. So my desire for sex is when I want to have sex, when I am feeling turned on and when I really want to have sex. Sexual desire is something that's way more expansive and desire for sex is a part of that. But I found a really compelling definition for sexuality in the book called Redeeming Sex by Deborah Hirsch. And she says that spirituality is the innate human desire within all people to connect outside of ourselves with a capital O other or AKA God. And she says sexuality is the human desire in inside all people that gets us out of ourselves and connects us with lowercase other. So other people. So really sexuality is this desire to be in relationship with others. And it also is a shadow of our desire for our ultimate desire for God. And so when I read that, Sarah, I was just like, oh, this makes so much sense to me. Because really, when we think about sex, it's that ultimate form of like intimacy, vulnerability, like physical connection. But that physical connection is really this like this spiritual manifestation of of what's happening beneath the surface in our relationship. And so when I started looking at sexuality or sexual desire as a larger piece of the puzzle than just the desire for sex, it felt really freeing. Because then if sexuality is just sex, and as a person who follows Jesus, I am waiting until marriage to have sex, then I don't get to experience a very integral part of what it means to be a human unless I am married. However, if sexuality is more than just sex, if it really is about this desire within humans to connect outside of ourselves with others, then that is really, really, really good news. It's really good news for me as a single person. It's really good news for us as men and women who don't know if we will ever get married or not. And it also gives me a lot of other ways to, if we want to go back to the original metaphor, scratch the itch, then just sex. So if I am feeling turned on or if I'm wanting to embrace my sexuality, that doesn't mean like, let me just go hook up with a random person. That means, oh, what I'm longing, what am I really longing for right now? Am I longing for connection? Let me have a group of friends over and let's have dinner together. Or wow, like, I'm feeling really connected to my body right now. Let me go do a dance class or go do a workout and connect with my body. And what happens when we have sex? 
babies are created. And so zoom out from that perspective of, wow, like sex really is this like ultimate collaboration with another human being to create new things. So if I'm wanting to embrace my sexuality, let's get creative with other people and make new things, whether that's, I want to start a podcast or I want to have a dinner night or let's have a painting night or let's start a nonprofit. I just think there's so many other ways to embrace our sexuality than just that physical. And I, one of my pastors says like, we can have this eroticism for life and a vigor for life. And we are flattening what it means to be human when we say that the only way for that vigor and eroticism to manifest is through sexual intercourse. Now, I'm not saying I don't want to have sex. <laughs> like, <laughs> I want to have sex. I want to get married. I'll be really sad if I don't ever get married. But I just think that it, for me, is so freeing to know that connecting to my sexual desire in this regards then is not sinful. It is a beautiful part of what it means to be human. And we look through the scripture, even the Genesis 1 account, there it's this erotic language of, you know, God speaking, it is so, and there is day and night and rest and it is good. And it, there's that like rhythmic repetition of the creation story in the Hebrew Genesis account. And then there's this climax of the creation account and it's the creation of humanity. And instead of humanity just being good, humanity is very good. And so I think the more I search the scriptures, the more I see like this relational God, which also means a sexual God. And I think that might, I remember I was like, is that weird and uncomfortable? (laughs) But no, it's not because God created it. God is not, God's not like, "Uh uh-oh, system malfunction. That guy got an erection. Ah, like, ah, or, oh my gosh, like she's feeling attracted to that guy. Oh, why is she doing that? Like there is actually something about our sexuality that reflects our creator and can be a really beautiful thing. Mm, yes, it is of God. It is from him. It is it is normal and it's created to be a great thing. But I love your tangible examples of embracing your sexuality. Like for me, the one that resonates most is taking a dance class. I don't know if you have ever been to 305 Fitness in New York City. It is a cardio workout and it is the most fun. Like you definitely are feeling yourself. You are definitely one with your body and it is just a riot. Yeah, absolutely. So there's definitely, for me, that's my (laughs) go-to. Well, and I think so when we're connecting with our body, like people often are like, well, what does that mean? Like connect with your body. Well, we live in a cult. We live in a postmodern culture, post enlightenment where we live in our heads, right? We live in, I have to get stuff done. I like, this is the logical thing or like we're in task mode. And part of having a uh, successful or um, engaging sexual experience is to be able to be present. And when we connect to our sensuality, sensuality is really just the art of being present. And so part of if I want to practice sensuality, if I want to practice the art of presence, if I want to go from like just being in my head in task mode of running a business and literally getting into my body, one of the best ways to do that is dancing or if you're like, I'm not a dancer at all, go on a run. I think it's why so many people 
feel so connected to God when they're working out because like we're sweating, our phone is off, Instagram mm-hmm. is off, we're present fully for an hour. And then if we're doing, I think it's also why people like fall in love with things like soul cycle be or CrossFit because you are in a room with other people, moving your body, getting out of your head, getting into your heart, sweating, and you're doing it in community with others. And so you're connecting outside of yourself with other people, which is connecting to your sexual desire. And you're getting out of your head and into your heart and into your body. So I think, I know that's a long tangent, but I I like to kind of clarify that because I think it can kind of sound like ethereal and woo-woo when you're like, yeah, get into your body. Like, what does that even mean? Kind of sound a little hippie. Yeah, I get you. But I absolutely agree. And I resonate with that little soul cycle tidbit there. Like that is the place to just – because everything else turns off. Right. That's – I feel like what it really comes down to and you get to really just be one and be focused and be centered and not have that list of to-dos. But – Going back just a moment here, most of my listeners are singles, okay? So I know their ears totally perked up when you were like, okay, so that year in New York City, I dated more that year. I fell in love. I was ghosted. I had all these experiences. More in that year than I did in the rest of my life is what you said. And I'm married, but that still caught my attention. So I know my single (laughs) listeners are like, wait, wait, Kat, can you tell me more? So that being said, I also read your blog on... Um, putting yourself out there, but being pursued. So what are your do's and don'ts and kind of how did that shift happen for you? Yeah. So I think for me for a long time as a woman in our culture, but also as a Christian woman, we're taught this narrative of, oh, the guy should be the leader. The guy should pursue. And I love that. I am for that. But I think I kind of realized that... I was hiding behind this concept of being pursued as an excuse not to be vulnerable. Um, Because how much easier is it to be, to have a conversation with a guy that you're stuck in the friend zone with and, and say something like, so I feel like you're being confusing towards me. Like, what are your intentions? I feel like you're not leading me well, or you're being, you're sending me mixed signals. And so we, have conversations like that and which instantly puts the person you're in conversation with on the defense because you're doing this wrong. What's wrong with you? And yet we do this like weird spiritual manipulation where instead of being vulnerable, I just place blame. And I use this like weird tenet of like Christian dating as like a bypass for that. When I think for me, it's much scarier and much harder to enter that same conversation and lead with vulnerability and say, hey, uh, Harry Styles, <laughs> like, hey, um, I really love being your friend and I love spending time with you. And I've realized like I've developed a crush on you and I don't know where you're at, but I just wanted to put that out there and have a conversation. And that same conversation, but because I've chosen to lead with vulnerability, I'm not saying, hey, I want to marry you. Like, get, (laughs) you know, let me get down on one knee. I'm just saying, like, I'm creating space to acknowledge that I like you. And then that gives space for, since I've already led with vulnerability 
then I've created a safe space for him also to share his heart. And so from there, he can either be like, great, actually, I'm not interested. I'm so sorry if I've led you on or, oh my gosh, I have had a crush on you too. I've just been so nervous because you're such a baller and I didn't know if you would like me back. Um, So I think that how I think once I started realizing, actually, this isn't about me wanting to be pursued. This is about me wanting to protect myself and not wanting to be rejected and also wanting to do quote unquote Christian dating right. Mm. Um, That's when things started to shift for me. And then I also found out about, I am still more traditional in the sense of, I do want you to ask me out and I do want you to open my door. I do love all of those things. And I think that when women hear me talking about it's okay to put yourselves out there, the biggest response I get is like, well, I'm just like more traditional. And my response to that is, well, you must not know what traditional behavior really is because in the Victorian era, if a woman liked a man, she would have her hanky, you know, her little handkerchief that she would, you know, blot her mouth with. And she'd be out in public and see a guy across the room that she thought was cute make eye contact with him, take that hanky, wave it and drop it on the ground. And that (laughs) would be her cue to him. Like, Hey, you have a green light here. I see you. You have the permission to approach me. And I call it dropping the hanky. And so from there, a gentleman would come up. Oh, you dropped your hanky. Oh, thank you so much for giving me my hanky back. And that was kind of like, that is how chivalry happened. That's how so many relationships started in the Victorian era, which is like the quintessential time of chivalry and guys being gentlemen. But it wouldn't have happened if the girl did not have the courage to let it be known that she was interested. So I think just as much as we're insecure, like maybe insecure or nervous to approach them, think about these guys that are in fear of being rejected as well. We kind of need to give them the green light. Right, right. And so I for girls, I'm like, it you first of all, you have their permission to like a guy. <laughs> and your destiny is not to be stuck in the friend zone. And it is okay to let a guy know that you like him. And you might fumble your way forward. Welcome to welcome to the club. But also if we look at scripture, freaking Ruth in the Old Testament snuck into Boaz's house at night and laid at his bed and proposed marriage to him. And this was a woman after God's heart. And I'm like, I'm not sitting here saying to the girls, like, go sneak in the guy's bed that you like. And when he comes home, then you ask him on a date or propose to him. But I think what an example of courage of a woman who was able, like willing to like put herself out there. And I'm like, if Ruth can propose to Boaz, I can let a guy know that I have a crush on him. <laughs> I think giving that permission, but more than that, you just gave such an encouragement to, I mean, so many listeners that are probably like, oh, it's like she knows me. It's like we just sat down and <laughs> she knows my whole story. And I love that. And I want to thank you for that on their behalf. Um, I think that is so awesome and obviously has worked out well for you and being at peace with yourself and being excited to be out there. And it sounds, I mean, so much more freeing to just be honest and have that conversation rather than just kind of always wondering in the back of your head. That's a stressor for right. sure. 
I was going to say, one of my mentors told me a few years ago that no one has a bad day when they find out someone has a crush on them. And <laughs> unless they're a total jerk. And if they're a total jerk about it, great. You don't want to date them. <laughs> and I think that we become so terrified of rejection. Like rejection becomes the ultimate experience that I want to avoid because we love comfort. We want to feel good. And love is all about risk. And if we want to experience love, we also have to be open to experiencing disappointment. And honestly, I, I know for myself, I let myself be in confusing, ambiguous situations with men for so many years because I wasn't sure I was worthy of the type of relationship that I truly longed for. So I thought, oh, maybe he just needs more time. Maybe if I jump through this hoop, he'll see me this way. And really, if I would have, I mean, I have so many guy friendships where this has happened, but I've, I wasted, I spent years in this ambiguous purgatory because I was terrified of rejection. And so something felt better than nothing. But the reality is something does not feel better than nothing. I would rather have clarity and have the sting of a rejection than be in this very long purgatory where it's not clear. And so I think rejection is God's protection. So if I let my feelings be known and this person doesn't like me, then great. I don't want to date a person that doesn't like me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like I get to be in a relationship with a guy that is just as interested in me as I am into him. And so I think so much of this, yes. So I think so much of this conversation is about as women stepping into our worth. I am worth the guy liking me back. I am worth having a relationship that is mutually reciprocal. I am worth having clarity in my guy friendships. So I think it's all about stepping into our worth. Absolutely. And it's hard because you don't want to, of course, be rejected and deal with that. But let's rather do that now than five months down the road of wondering. Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. You are such a light, and I'm so grateful that we've connected. And um, before we go, all my interviewees, before they get to leave, they have to share with me and my listeners and themselves what you are more than. So More Than a Crown came from after my year as Miss USA, I realized that this label isn't my identity. And the greatest things that came from this year and the lowest lows is not my standard. It's not who I am. And I am more than that crown, more than that title. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's definitely something that I constantly have to remind myself of. So what, Kat, are you reminding yourself when you hit your head on the pillow at night that you are more than? Oh, that's such a good question. And a few things come to my mind. But I think in regards to this conversation, I am more than my relationship status. Mm. Yeah. You know, I... I I can be like strong on the outside and on the inside. I'm like crying and lonely. And am I ever going to find someone or is it ever going to happen to me? And what I constantly remind myself is that I am more than my singleness. I am for if I'm in a relationship, that's not what defines me. And I think it can be so easy, especially when we're single to think, my life hinges upon this thing happening or not happening. And if it doesn't happen, I'm not going to be okay. When in reality, Ephesians says, 
to him who is able to do abundantly more than we could ask or hope for. So my dream for my life might seem big, and God's dream for my life is more epic than I could ever imagine for myself. And so I just want to be in a place where I'm constantly trusting that where I am at, whatever season I am in, whatever I'm doing or not doing, whatever relationship I am or not in, God is good and I am in the exact moment I'm supposed to be in. Uh, amazing. Thank you so much for being vulnerable and sharing. And I know that I feel like a friend. You feel uh-huh. like a friend of mine now after this brief conversation. And I have no doubt listeners will feel the same way. So where can they continue to grow with you? Yeah. Oh, that's such a fun question. Lots of places. The first one is if you (laughs) are listening and you're single and you're like, oh my gosh, dating is or singleness, whatever is a struggle fest as a woman of faith, then come join. I have a free online community for single women and you can go to bit.ly slash TRW dating tips. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash TRW dating tips. And that'll get you involved in my community. And then my podcast is the Refined Collective Podcast. It's on all the streaming services. My website and Instagram is the Refined Woman. And DM me. I love when people slide into my DMs. I try, I answer every single one of them. So let's be, let's be virtual friends and go through this stuff together. Ah, <laughs> uh, amazing. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you so, so much, Kat. You are such a gem. And to our listeners, thank you for taking your time today. I have no doubt that you're feeling uplifted after this episode. Please do share it with your other girlfriends that you know will benefit from it as well. And we'll catch you next time.